ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the overlap. Um, if someone had told me, I don't know, like two days ago that jet lag just hits different, like when you're coming back from Europe, I would have greatly appreciated that because I haven't, I mean, it's been a year, but I have not had jet lag this bad in a while. Uh, so if you see me and my eyes are drooping and my face is leaning to one side, I promise it's not because Rian is boring me. Rian is always an entertaining co-host and friend and will always keep me entertained. Um, but I'm just tired. <laughs> I'm just tired. We're, we're recording and it is 5.39 and my body feels like it is the middle of the night. Uh, so I very much will be having some some light, I don't know what they say in Europe, just a, just a light supper, if you will, afterwards and proceed to go to bed because uh, that is what my body's telling me. Anyway, long-winded intro. Hello, Rian. Good to see you again. I'm back. You're back from some of your travels away from the city. Um, what life updates do you do you have for me? Uh, well, I mean, I guess this is more for anyone listening. I, the life update I have for you, I gave to you already, but um, true. I'm now now proud owner of two kittens, two ten week cat kittens. dad. Yeah, yeah. Um, Don't sound is... so sad about it. No, no, it's been, it's been, it's been good. I mean, it's only been a day. It has been less than 24 hours to be honest. True. But, but um, no, they, they're adorable as, as, <laughs> as any two kittens could be. And uh, they actually like tired themselves out earlier this <laughs> today because they were just chasing each other for probably about like 30, 40 minutes around the apartment, chasing each other and then like wrestling whenever the one of them caught the other. Um, and so they've, actually been sleeping a lot since then <laughs> that's but, basically what they're going to do for the next several months if you if you were not clear on that which i know you yeah. very much were so and yeah, i've been told sense <laughs> unfortunately um i'm not allowed to see said kittens until they get settled in which i'm not mad i'm just extremely disappointed about but hey you know it's all good it happens just another week or, or so hopefully i mean one oh, of yeah. those i can already you can already tell they have two different personalities like one of really? them is a, yeah one of them is a bit more uh is more sociable or likes mm. getting pet a lot a lot <laughs> more and uh and purrs a lot the the other one is, is a little bit of a shy boy he, but uh, <laughs> just gotta he's just gonna need a little bit more time it's okay every cat i feel like has they're like every duo of cats feels like it has a a pair one yeah. is the is basically each personality that you just mentioned do we have names yet by the way Yes, we do. One of them is named Jero. Ooh, uh, okay. Yeah, yeah. That one. That one is, is props to my girlfriend. Um, <laughs> she she is in wine, so she named him after um, what I believe is like the biggest possible wine bottle. It was a nice. Jero bomb. So it's a it's a short nickname for that. Love and it. And then the other one is named Sheba. That one, a name I Amazing. picked as a that is the name of a <laughs> it's the name of a dog in uh right. in, in 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 an anime show in Naruto <laughs> but i like the name though so. i love it's it really i love it. it two great names i'm very excited to meet them gosh well that's definitely a big life update um yeah. while i was away on vacation funny enough um no oh the only life update i have is um i came back from my 10, 10 days of vacation. Um, and 
I had set out mouse traps in my apartment because I knew that there was a mouse or multiple at some point because I had seen at least one mm-hmm. uh, just in the apartment. And so I set out four traps and uh, came back and there was a dead mouse in one of them. So that's my life update and oh. threw it away promptly. And honestly, yeah. I'm kind of glad that it's gone. I yeah, thankfully, there's only one in there. <laughs> And those traps have been out for a while. I've been trying to catch it for like two weeks. But anyway, that's my only life update. Beyond that, um, well, actually, the other big life update How was is your vacation. What? Oh, gonna, yeah. How was your vacation? Yeah, the vacation was amazing. Um, you know what made it amazing? Like outside of seeing family, being with family, we actually canceled the Istanbul part of our trip, which we were supposed mm. to do. We canceled it day of because we just wanted to spend more time with family. And it was, I was telling people, probably the best vacation I've taken in three years because I I knew on the back of this trip, I was not coming back to more stress and more work. Um, Cause as you know, I am about to be changing jobs very yeah, soon. That's so, another big life update, right? Yeah. That was the other one, um, which I start after labor day. So look at us. Who would have thought I'm <laughs> me. So <sighs> well big deserved, life updates. Well-deserved break there. Yeah, man. And uh, I'm very excited to, uh, to get started in a new adventure soon. But we'll still continue recording. And ironically enough, while I was in Europe, um, I got to watch more games than I probably would have if I was stateside because the games there are obviously in the afternoon or in the evening. And Uh, they're usually when I'm not out of the house, like doing things. So by mm -hmm. the time I was back, put the game on, that's like nine o'clock, either like in Spain or it's like five o'clock in England or something like that's a much more doable time actually to watch those games instead of being busy. So when we go through all these games, which we'll go through a host of Premier League games and some Spanish games and La Liga, um, the one thing we haven't actually talked about, so I'm throwing this out. I don't know if you want to talk about the Rubiales stuff. I can share my perspective on it, but I feel like I might actually have a conniption if I go through that. (laughs) Uh, But anyway, we'll go through all of it. And that's just my long-winded way of saying I actually was able to watch way more soccer than I thought I was going to. So, yeah, no, and and I think we def- we should touch on that um, later on. We'll get to that, but I would I would we like to hear will. your perspective. I mean, I'm sure a lot of our perspectives are going to be pretty well. Pretty similar. Our thoughts about it are going to be <laughs> pretty similar, but yeah. you know, you being more kind of in tune with with what goes on in Spanish in Spanish football and the Federation itself, I feel like you probably will have a, a little bit more context around it. Than, yeah. That's than, the than interesting part. Like Twitter and whatnot. <laughs> yeah. Really? You mean Twitter is not your source of truth for everything? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, but there is a lot of political context around it. So we'll, we'll start with uh, the Premier League and we'll basically start with, I, I don't know if there was a clear game of the last weekend or last two weekends effectively. Um, but we've had a couple of pretty major games from Newcastle losing out to a 10 man Liverpool. We saw Arsenal draw to Fulham at home to two, which is a game that I was actually trying to go to. And I unfortunately could not last minute. So I'm very upset about that. Excuse me. Um, and then I believe, I believe Rian Chelsea's first win in the Premier League this season could have them shooting for top four. No, that's that absolutely not. But, um, but yeah, anyway. just, there's only three games in. Yeah, we're going to have yeah, to yeah. let it, it marinate a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> just let them cook. Just let yeah, them cook. Yeah. Um, but, Rian, let's talk a little bit about um, some of these games from the Premier League. Where do you want to start? I want to start with three games, kind of 
that happened over this weekend. I can't remember the last time that this happened. Who knows if ever. Um, three games that ended up being 11 v 10 um, by the end of it. I want to start with um, Newcastle 2-1 loss to Liverpool, to 10-man Liverpool, who went down to 10-man after about half an hour. Um, actually, after Newcastle had scored their first goal as well um, on a on a uh, it's a miscontrol from from Trent Alexander Arnold and Anthony Gordon pounced on it. Um, I believe that might have been his first Newcastle Premier League goal, but uh, don't 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 fact check me on that. Um, <laughs> the 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 that. rest of the game, <laughs> the next the next few minutes, um, Gordon was really good, and and he and his pass ends up putting Virgil Van Dyke in a tough position going up against Isak. Mistimes his foul, his um challenge goes straight through Isak to get the ball and ends up getting sent off. I, I if we can we can like briefly touch on it. Did you did you feel red card? Yes, no. I trying to be as objective as possible in this. I feel like it was definitely borderline. Like, I, I, I feel like that's how a lot of people felt, whether you're on the Newcastle side or the Liverpool side, to be honest. Um, and you could clearly see Van Dyke was not happy with it at all, which I was partially worried actually after this game that he was going to get an additional, like, two or three match ban for. Oh, his, his, he, like, he, has, he hasn't gotten banned, but he, he has gotten. Um, uh, I, I forget what the wording for it is, but he's gotten char- a charge from the FA and he has to, like, respond yeah. to it by the end of this week. Yeah, look, it's a. There's some things in football where you just should not do. One of them, and probably one of the biggest ones, is you do not touch any referees. Like that is that is a hard and fast rule, and it's there for a reason. But to answer your question, I, I am fine with the call. If it were me, I probably would not have given a red card for it. But I understand the perspective. If that makes sense, did you feel the same way? I I probably. Thought it was more of a foul. I thought it was. I thought it was a foul. Like it kind of um, right. And I, and I think it's one. Like if you call the foul, then you can't. Like the only option is red, right? Like I think. I think there are probably other. There are probably other days, or maybe other refs. Um, not looking at you, Mike Dean, uh, who, wow. who who on another day. How, how did you even manage to like? fit that in there i'm not gonna let that slide man that was I, so coy I'm, yeah yeah i mean I'm, I'm sure you know what that's in re- that reference i to do. His article his article of a, you know on another day when a referee is, doesn't want to make their mate feel bad they might not they might not call they might not call that one right but <laughs> but but you know um like just to say on, on some days maybe that foul doesn't get called but if the foul's called like it, i think it's a pretty obvious denial of a, of a goal scoring opportunity um but but anyway to to move on like with the rest throughout the rest of the game where newcastle are up a man for an hour um they've really struggled to finish that game off and through large stretches stretches of it were not we're not creating enough chances, right? Um, we're not at least getting into Liverpool's final third and sustaining pressure there. Like, they did create a couple chances, like um, I think from times where 
Gordon had a really good dribble that I can remember. Almiron had a really good dribble where he ended up hitting the post. I think Almiron had another really good chance that he just skied over over the over the bar. So they did have some they had a few chances, a few like good chances, I should say. Um but it was not sustained and it was not like they were always pressing Liverpool back who, who had who were down a man and um and I think that's probably what's going to be the most disappointing from from that from a Liverpool standpoint or sorry from a Newcastle standpoint um that they just didn't really they just didn't really sustain enough pressure to to keep Liverpool back and and just kind of come wave after wave in terms of creating chances uh and <laughs> You know, when you leave yourself over to that one goal, one goal lead, even um, against 10 men, you see what happens with the first goal where it's like, that's just really unlucky for Botman. Right? Yeah. Like the, pass, yeah. the pass was not was not like a great pass. He actually had stopped it. But this sport is so silly sometimes when you have just a bouncing ball ends up hitting him on his leg, his back, like all parts of the back of his body and still somehow is perfectly <laughs> in stride for, for Darwin Nunez. Um, and that's how you get to one, one. And then I believe it's Salah that gets the assist for the second one, a very yep. similar type of goal. Um, shots that we saw Darwin Nunez miss a lot last season, like kind of that exact shot where he has to, where with he's the exception right of, uh, of, of the seven nil. It was a, yes. yeah, seven nil. It was yeah, basically yeah, yes, true. and that yeah. was, that was basically the course of the second half of the season for Liverpool is when a lot of people I think harped on the fact that ultimately he was missing shots from those exact positions, and had those shots gone in, Liverpool might genuinely have made top four. Yeah. I think that probably could have been a reality for them. Um, but I do want to actually just harp on, as you call it, the Darwin Nunez experience. Could you help me understand why he didn't start this game? I, I was actually like genu like genuinely confused this game specifically because I feel like against those two center backs of Newcastle, he would have been perfect for not necessarily just out muscling them, but finding space in between them as well. And he I mean he did that when he came on, but earlier very well could have been useful for them. Yeah, I look. I agree with you. Um, I think Cody Gakpo is a good player. Um, he still doesn't feel quite like a like a center forward. He he's, he really feels like that in uh, similar to like a Marcus Rashford, where and similar to honestly Kylian Mbappe too, like in the profile, right? And it, we kind of talked a little bit about this on Twitter, but like yeah. that player who is technically i guess you could say a winger because you wouldn't necessarily put them in as like the the lone center forward but what they really like to where they really like to play is in that kind of half space right make runs in that in that area um which doesn't yeah. really have a, a defined like position unfortunately exactly yeah yeah um but i agree with you look i i said it what was it two weeks ago when we um <clears throat> i think when we were talking about the chelsea liverpool game where I would just I, I would start Darwin Nunez in every game, especially in this particular one where Newcastle is a team that presses is a high pressing side. So there's gonna be space, right? Um that is like the best, like the best opportunity for Nunez is when I mean we saw it obviously with his two goals, like that they can it was basically counters. 
space in behind. Granted, yes, Liverpool were sitting back deeper than normal because they had 10 men, but his just ability to always push the back line, the opponent back line, um, towards running towards their own goal, you know, creating space for attackers in front of him, or should I say behind him, and and also just the amount of shots that he does get off. I know that like last season it was it was very hit or miss. Um but pun intended. Yeah. <laughs> the, the the amount of shots that he gets off in really good positions. I I it's just that's not re- replaceable. Like Kodiak was not giving you that. Um and cuz I mean sure they're not, they they're were... not the same position. Like correct. It's yeah, not, yeah. it's not even because Cody Gakpo is a a worse striker or anything like that. It's because they literally are not the same profile or same position um which i think i think you were mentioning earlier but i just want to clarify no no yeah yeah but that's like the ultimate like two different profiles of forwards right um and i just keep saying like you even looked at it up until the the red card as well like newcastle were honestly had weirdly more um dominance when it was 11 v 11 rather than 11 v 10 which is which is a weird one but like <laughs> i will always i will always err on the side of starting darn i just think the positives that he gives to the team are just they just they are they so outweigh the negatives and they are so so useful in the terms of the way that liverpool plays right you know, his strengths wouldn't be as um useful on like a side like city right or arsenal like teams that are playing a bit slower and more measured build-ups right but on liverpool he's like the he's like the prototypical type of player for for liverpool 100 percent. and interestingly enough i think that actually i mean look verdict is is still out but i do think historically in the way that uruguay plays could also be very helpful in that context as well um but only only time will tell as Uruguay have gone through their own coaching changes and issues in the last year and a half so that will remain yeah. to be seen but yeah a similar I, like a sim, maybe not quite similar I think Edison Cavani was a better technical player but oh, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. somewhat similar in terms of like the movement his mm-hmm. movement is very similar to to Edison Cavani I don't think he's as good mm-hmm. of a of a player on the ball yeah I completely agree with that I do want to just have a brief conversation about Newcastle because um, it, it did really seem to your point from earlier that they played better when it was 11 v 11, which doesn't necessarily make sense. I think there were a lot of times where they sort of lost possession and lost control of this, this game towards, uh, you know, as the second half progressed. But you mentioned in our notes that Newcastle played Brighton next weekend, which is upcoming now. What's a, what's today? Thursday or Wednesday? <laughs> it's Wednesday. I mean, my brain thinks it's Thursday, but it <laughs> yeah, is actually Wednesday. Yeah, which makes sense. Um, <laughs> you can see my, my eyes are shutting. Um, <laughs> my, my question to you is ultimately going to be, do you think that Newcastle are going to suffer even more against basically a very, very, very fast-paced Brighton side, especially when it comes to those half-spaces um, in attack? Or do you think that something will change for Newcastle for the better in this game? I think that will probably be a better matchup for them because Brighton love to have the ball a lot more and, and will, 
they're going to pose different threats than Liverpool. Um, Newcastle is going to be able to, well, not be, a, but but is going to have a bit more joy in pressing them without worrying quite as much about guys running in behind as as much as as much as Liverpool does because Liverpool plays their passes are more direct and more progressive passing team um, a little less slower build up than than Brighton does it, it's it's an interesting one with Newcastle as in general I saw um, on Twitter Grace Robertson mentioned that in their games where they had most of the possession last especially in the second half of last season um, they did not pick up as many wins and generally have not been as good when they have like 60 close to 60 percent possession of the ball which is something I'm going to kind of you know, look out for a bit more now, but it, it's an interesting one because I think what has what came to my mind also during that game, during the Liverpool game, is I'm going to be looking out for this, whether they have enough like, chance creators on the team itself. Um, I think losing St. Maximin is such a big loss. Like The... Chances that he created just from dribbling and like he's a supreme dribbler, the way he progresses the ball, right? Um, and and Almiron had a really good purple patch last season, right? But we all like kind of saw even while he was doing that, it was it was it was not quite in line with his <laughs> career. We, yeah, we kind of looked right? at the overall tr- statistical trajectory of his uh, of his success, and it was. An anomaly, yeah. if you will. Yeah, yeah, and, and and this is not to take anything away from like how good of a player he is, but he is not necessarily this um, guy who puts up a lot of output, right? Since at least at I mean at least since he's moved to to um, to England in general. Um, so I, I do wonder if maybe that's a bit of it. Like the they have the ball more. They're not. They just don't quite have a lot of like great passers. Um, a great chance creators from passing. Um, so that could be a bit of it. The Brighton game will be an interesting one. I mean, it'll be a, it'll, it'll be a, a really tough one, I think for Brighton as well, because Newcastle like to play very fast. And we saw what happened against with Brighton against West Ham this weekend when they played against another, against a team that wants to play really fast and almost doesn't want the ball until they can counterattack. <laughs> until like they don't, they want to score like West Ham. It was some of the, it was some of the like best counterattacking goals I can remember seeing. Yeah. Um, Mikhail Antonio followed up his bullying performance against Chelsea with another <laughs> bully performance against Brighton. Uh, so, so I, I, I am curious to see um, with Brighton going forward. I, I saw that they did act, they have signs um, a center midfielder, uh, like a holding midfielder from, I want to say like Leip- Leipzig or Salzburg, one of those sides, or, or it might've been a French, French side. Um, they signed. He did sign a defensive midfielder because one of the things during that West Ham game is, man, it was really easy to just transition against them, losing Caicedo and McAllister, and then you know having like they're genuinely starting James Milner. Like I, I'm, I need to see if this is like uh just it's the early beginning of the season or like is he actually going to be their right back for the entire season? Like <laughs> I, I really hope for their own sake that is not the case. To be honest, 
Yeah, insane. But um, I'm looking forward to that game. From the to move on to like the um, well, actually, we'll talk. We'll touch on this later. But Liverpool play Villa next, and we'll we'll talk about that game when we get to the Villa portion. Um, just to keep it moving along with like the the theme of eleven v tens, Arsenal's draw to Fulham, late draw to Fulham, two two. Um, in a g- game where I honestly feel they're a bit unlucky. They were very unlucky, actually. <laughs> like I, They had a lot of chances in the first half um, when they went down 1-0. Um, ended up, obviously, g- taking the lead. Uh, and then uh, it was Bassey that got sent off like 10 minutes or so to go. And then just a goal on a on a corner kick for for Fulham like the two goals that Fulham scored <laughs> like huge mistake from Arsenal in the in like the first 50 seconds of the game <laughs> where um Saka passes it back and there just appears to be no one there um and you know a nice finish from Pereira and then a corner kick goal at the end uh, and, and that's that's how Fulham end up getting their point again even though they were dominated for most of the game yeah uh, I, I don't think that the, for me at least, I don't think that the result is that is much of a concern for for Arsenal, and I don't even think for the most part the performance was was um, concerning. But certain aspects of it that I have in our notes here too is, is Thomas Partey was like playing inverted right back in that game, um, at least at. If you look at the very beginning of the game, um, that's kind of what's happening, and and he does that for a good for like most of the of the the um, time that he's on the pitch, and just didn't look really comfortable in that position. Which, fair enough, like not, not every. I mean, you can't yeah. you can't turn every holding midfielder <laughs> into a inverted fullback. And yeah. you can't turn every inverted fullback into a into like a holding <laughs> mid, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> no, and and um, also like you have to have some empathy, I think, for Arteta in this situation with Timber's injury. It's not like they brought someone in in a week. It's like it just hasn't. That's not the case. What I would say is, I I don't know if Partey is going to be best suited for that like long-term, and I, I think we probably would agree that would be the case, but I do actually think that is the best potential holding midfield option or just midfield option in general to play that inverted position based on his skill set, based on his ability to intercept the ball. The, like, I don't want to throw Jorginho into that conversation because I oh, think definitely that, could, not. that could be a horrible, <laughs> yeah, that could be a horrible, <laughs> horrible situation. But of, of Arteta's options, I get why he went with Partey. Um, it, it makes somewhat logical sense to me, even if it didn't work on this specific day. What I'm more curious about is, <sighs> Rian, we have to start a dialogue. Um, <laughs> we we do have to start a dialogue. Uh, we'll get to the the 11 v 10 stuff, but honestly, more most importantly is, who is Kai Havertz? <laughs> That's what I want to know. What? Tell is... me what you think. What is Guy Havertz? <laughs> Who's like? It just explain your thought process when it comes to Guy Havertz in this Arsenal side. A- again, by the way, because I know you've already done that. <laughs> yeah, again, what a, like it's only been three games. I get it. Like I want to give that disclaimer. Very small sample size. Um, it, it's but <laughs> hold on a second. <laughs> but is there a small sample size? 
Yeah, yeah, like, I know. I, I guess the small – I should say small sample size of people – of someone actually trying to play him as like a center mid. Like, sure. Sure, 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 sure. <laughs> um, I just – I just – I think that there – I rewatched the – I watched the highlights of the game again, and there are a lot more times where he is basically – on that forward line and it's almost like a line of five like martinelli havertz and kind of like the left half space but like move also kind of moves into center forward um a good amount and then you know inketia in this game specifically and then odegaard and and Saka is like that's more or less like the attacking five the the issue still is like there are a lot of times where he's dropping back like full like he's dropping all the way back to like form like a double pivot with with uh Declan Rice in, in times there uh and it's just not a clean fit it's gonna I mean maybe it's just gonna take a lot of time and you know maybe that's just what Arsenal's banking on I just as the season progresses a bit more I want to look back I want to look at how he's performing this role versus Granite Xhaka because I, I said it before the season, they are two di- very different players. Like Granit Xhaka is a fantastic passer, like a much better passer than than uh, Kai Havertz. Much better at creating chances by passing. Havertz is not really a chance creator. Um, he's a bit more of like a link up player, and then you know, a supporting attacker in the in the box and stuff, right? Uh, the, the issue with that too, is like that there were times where he gets good chances in this game, in, in this game specifically too. Um, but the actual like finishing of those is what's going to be so key. Right. And that's, you know, I'm probably, I'm stating the obvious, like he's got to, <laughs> if he finishes, um, like a good percentage of his chances then he will justify his place in the team <laughs> a lot more. Right. 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 So if, uh, if, a uh person that was brought in to score goals scores goals they will justify their position in the team yeah thanks yes yeah but, <laughs> yeah I, it's so easy I, even, yeah, I know i know i know i, I know. can't even find the words because i'm so tired but no. i'm just i'm being sarcastic well you know what's interesting is just on the um kai havertz piece i do think it will take time to have him settle in the team but i would say that's the case for every player what i think is different about him and this arsenal team is i don't see an obvious fit in replace or in place of let's say Gabriel Jesus because they're two very different players. They Kai Havertz is not a hold up type of player, a spin and turn type of player. He's a running behind type of. I, I, I hesitate to use the word striker because he's more of just a a ten. Yeah. Well, I don't like. I, yeah, he's, he's yeah. It's hard, right? Like it's like yeah. not quite a ten, not quite a striker. It's right. really hard to find a position for or find a way to for the whole team to function with a player yeah. like that, right? I just want to get your thoughts really quickly, and then I want to move on to uh, United. Do you think Zhao Felix could have been a better option for Arsenal? Because he has been window shopping himself for the last <laughs> month and a half from Atletico, but I'm just curious if someone who was a very similar type of profile would have been a better fit, in your opinion. I think um, as a Gabriel Jesus 
uh, backup or, you know, obviously like Gabby Jesus is, is injured a fair amount. So like, yeah, as someone who actually can come in and play and play yeah. when he's out. Yes, more similar for sure. And I think probably would have been better. But the thing is, they haven't played Havertz as this as the center forward. Oh, now number nine, yeah. Right? Yeah, they've been playing Nketiah there. And Nketiah's done well. Like, Nketiah's hold-up play is is better than Havertz. It's like, very fully. good. Yes. <laughs> like, yes. It's, it's, like that, this, is the, this is kind of the thing with Havertz, too. Like, um, I, because of his height, people who have not watched him for the past three seasons before this <laughs> are are not quite aware that like he's actually not good at using his height <laughs> like, he's not real. <laughs> he's not good at using like his his size to either hold off defenders or um you know win headers and, and stuff like that so having him in there again in that kind of left center mid position that kind of basically turns into like a, another attacker forward whatever um it's still like it's still very it's still gotta be so specific the way that the ball even ends up getting to him right um and he's not someone who's like super involved in build up either right so it's he's 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 a really tough player to like to to fit into a team um at least in at least playing against other teams that just are not giving as much space as you'd see in Germany, like like that, and that's not like necessarily to knock the the league, but like there's just different defensive philosophies in Germany for last for should I say right? Like it, it's there's yeah. way more space, so that kind of like space hunting and and being like the second striker in that position um, is I think a bit more. You see his his qualities uh, or his strengths like really jump out more when there's more space. Um, and then, you know, you could say that about a lot of players, but like the way that he plays specifically as someone who loves drifting around when there's not a lot of space, yeah, it's, it becomes more complicated to, to make the team work around him. That's super fair. That's super fair. Well, good analysis. I love that. I love mm -hmm. hearing that perspective. Um, I'm not falling asleep on you, so don't worry, <laughs> but I want to talk briefly about United before we take a break. Um, Two nil down within four minutes. <sighs> and Harry Maguire wasn't even on the field for this. <laughs> and they look, they did come back to win three, two in a game, which I mean, the first four minutes also featured like 85% possession for United. Yeah. And like it, like it was just it, like truly just wildly fluke counterattacks that resulted in very, very clinical finishes. I mean, the, the uh, unless. Goal. The, fir the first goal actually made no sense. The first goal actually was a glitch in the matrix. That no, no, I I, I refuse to actually admit that it's there like, was, that it was like on FIFA where like, it was like when you put the ultra attacking at the very end of the game, you're looking for a goal. So like like every one of your players is within like thirty yards of the goal. Like it ends up being I would I would need and and Rashford. Like, yeah. yeah, it's like sprinting them off. Like, yeah. yeah. Oh my and, god. And then, and then, and then, like, then once he got into the box, uh, Iwini, I have no clue what the hell Anano was doing. Like, <laughs> like, I don't think he, he knew. He literally sat down. He <laughs> sat down, took a seat. I, I don't even think like Iwini had made a move. Like he just sat no. down, <laughs> and then is scrambling to get close to the ball. It's it's just a, yeah. It was a, it was a bit of a shit show of a of a goal. <laughs> a bit. Yeah. Well. <laughs> 
most importantly, all will kind of be forgotten because United actually did come back and win this game. But at what cost? Um, four, they have now, what, four or five major injuries, I believe, too. And major as defined as, let's say, a month or more? Or three weeks or more? Somewhere in there? Yeah, I, um, I think the only one of the... Not, sorry to interrupt, but, but it's Luke Shaw, Mason Mount, Rafael Varane now, uh, and then Hoyland, who... Hoyland actually might be making it back this weekend for their game against Arsenal. Or might be on yeah. the bench, I think. But but he he has yet to feature right mm-hmm. for yes um, you know yeah for United obviously yeah so in their let's let's just say the Forest game was kind of a fluke United kind of needed a, a moment of momentum to jumpstart effectively their very slow start to the season away at Arsenal this upcoming weekend I I'm a little concerned for United to be honest um, I I. Think we both kind of agree that this is still a better side than it was two three years ago but arsenal are still a significantly better team and this kind of reminds me of the beginning of last season when arsenal also played united and i think they won two nil but united really never felt like they were completely in this game other than maybe a couple of chances here and there i feel like especially with these absences we could actually see a very similar type of result in a very t- similar type of game with the absolute caveat being I don't I don't really know how Arsenal score that many goals, if that makes sense. Like I, I that's the only potential caveat with all of that. I, I think um yeah, I mean before this Forest game, we I mean we didn't get to record the uh last week, but though the United lost to to Spurs, right, was pretty bad it was like really bad actually it's not even pretty it was really bad no, i mean it was it was it was as bad i mean it was very bad and it was also the first time you united had not gotten points at tottenham zoo stadium mm. <laughs> like yeah not great like, like they're just defensively yeah i they just look defensively very easy to transition against right um and and I will like you know caveat that, that in that game against Spurs they very well could have scored in the first half. I think it was Bruno that had a header from what five yards out and just completely missed the goal. Um, and I think Anthony had hit the post at some point in that game too. But defensively they have not looked good. Um, this force game, like you said, it's a bit. It was a, I think, a bit of a fluke. Force were also down to ten men for for a good bit of this game, <laughs> and and um, and I think that, I think that without those two goals at the very beginning of Force, they probably United you know, would probably have comfortably won that game. But obviously, this is a much harder test. Um, I think Arsenal should go into that one pretty heavily favored honestly um i don't think that that there's you know there are very like small small things that are concerned like small concerns that we already talked about with arsenal but i don't think as a whole that it's a big issue yet like you know only again three games in um but this united side is it, it feels like it's teetering a little bit like it, it it feels like it's a bit fragile um terms of if certain players go out then this could all come down very easily because you look again at the depth of the team and it's not particularly impressive it's not it's strong at all yeah and i think 
part of what United tried to do in the summer is fix that problem with Mason Mount with, um, is it Hoyland? Hoyland, right? yeah. Yeah, like I think that's part of that's part of what they tried to do. United's biggest problem is still kind of Barcelona's biggest problem um, of the last couple of years in that there are too many average to below average players on big contracts that they cannot get rid of. And that has gotten better over the last two years with United, but they're not fully there yet. So replacing those players necessarily or finding a way to get rid of players that kind of are just taking up squad positions is is a problem that only will be solved with time, ultimately. And it's not it's not like United can't attract strong talent. Like I, I do firmly believe that the club can do that, but A, I, I don't think you want to get me started on their recruiting policies in the last five years because it has been I mean sketchy confusion confusing and abysmal are three adjectives that i would probably (laughs) use to describe it but i completely agree that they're basically one more like starting 11 injury away from being in a pretty iffy position for the next couple of weeks um and i guess their only saving grace would be the international break in the middle of next month (laughs) yeah yeah no that's true um Shall we take a break, Elias? Yeah, let's take a break. Um, and then maybe I'll take a nap and we'll come back. Deal? Okay, cool. <laughs> Deal. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back. I have returned from my nap, in which it was not a nap at all. It actually just lasted a, like a 60-second conversation with Rian during our break. Anyway, let's talk about Aston Villa, uh, which is going into kind of the second part of the last couple weeks of your last two weekends of games. Um Rian, Aston Villa are good. Unai Emery is a good manager. Um, and we talked about Unai Emery for thought? years. <laughs> who would, yeah, who would have thought? Uh, friend of the pond, Unai Emery, who we saw in, in Philadelphia. But um, 3-1 against Burnley. And quite honestly, they've looked impressive as a team. They re- like They genuinely have looked impressive. Now, part of part of what I like have in the back of my head as we go through this conversation is who Aston Villa have played um, over the last couple of weeks. I think their biggest test will be Liverpool at the weekend and I'm doing nothing this weekend. I'm thoroughly just excited for that um, because like they're, I believe it was their first game of the season. They got blown out right by yeah, Newcastle. By Newcastle right? yep. And then they went on to pummel Everton. Right. Yep. And then they, I think they had a conference league uh, match oh, somewhere yeah. in there, which they won, and then they beat Burnley, a Burnley side who was very well coached, right? As we yeah. know, so it has kind of been a a hot and cold start to the season for Unai Emery's side, but at the same time, I think there's some, some pretty significant positives to come out of it. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I think I think outside of that that first game against Newcastle, which, yeah, I. I don't know. I don't know what to what to throw that up to. Honestly, because that game was it ended five one, but that, but I think Newcastle, the last three goals from Newcastle came in like the last fifteen minutes or something like that. So, yeah, I, I think maybe we can throw that one as a a little bit of a fluke score line for them. They, they probably they just they, they rightly lost on the day, but like the score line is probably a bit worse than what the actual game was. Um, no, they they were great against uh, Burnley. 
the I think it was the Matt Matty Cash goal, though one where Diaby assisted him. Such a great build up from them, and and you saw in that build up, you saw exactly why a guy like Pau Torres is like is why Unai Emery would love a guy like that. Um, I have my own question marks about his like actual defending ability don't worry about it he's he's just handsome he can just stand there yeah, and everyone yeah. gets bewildered by him exactly that's what happens on the on his passes too people are just staring at his face so much they don't even know yeah. where the ball's going um which works out in like, his favor yeah he plays such a key pass in that move where he breaks like i think like almost two lines of, of defenders um and they end up scoring like a great goal assisted by diaby to, to maddie cash who scored a couple of that game himself um, I, I, I kind of wonder, like, they, I, the quality is there in this team, right? Like, Diaby is such a ceiling raiser for them. Like, he's, I'll put it this way. He's like, when they brought Coutinho in for, because it was just Gerard's buddy, or like, basically, like, like, the, the Diaby's going to have the impact that maybe they could have dreamed that a washed Coutinho would have had for them. Right? Like, no. no. Did I, I mute myself by accident? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, what I was going to say is like, no, like for real, that is actually exactly the, the same thought I had in mind. Look, slightly different side of the pitch, but like at the same yeah. time, uh, he, he is literally what Aston Villa thought they were getting with Coutinho of seven years ago. And yeah. I, I don't know. I, I'm actually very happy for them to be honest. That's all, yeah, that's he, all I can say. He'll, he'll be, he'll, he'll probably be what Barcelona thought they'd get from Coutinho. Hey, Hey, no, that's <laughs> like, okay, no, Hey, let's stick to Aston Villa. Um, can you, cause I know we have not really gone into any of the statistics around uh, the other team so far. But is there anything statistically you can tell us from our very small data set of three matches so far in the Premier League about Diaby? Because I'm, I, I feel like this is one where you could very tangibly, just given his his recent impact in three games, measure the significance of. Yeah, I mean, look, and we have like the the uh, you know easy stats. He's got three goals and assists in these first three games, right? But that's what I was going. As for. you said, <laughs> as you said, sample size. It's a huge sample size disclaimer. Um, I feel like you saying the like sample size disclaimer is that Charlie Day meme where he's like, "Look, <laughs> like, <laughs> that's what I feel like whenever you're yeah. like, just hold on a second, yeah. like, like you know, I, I want to like just. It's only been three games. Like I'm not even <laughs> sure if you played ninety minutes in every single one of them. Like, like so, you know, we're not we're not even, we might be talking about like two hundred minutes of, of gameplay <laughs> here, but but um, in terms of, like his per ninety. In, in the league games, he's at 0.86 non-penalty expected goals and expected assists. So like, he he's having such an impact on their attack itself. And like I said, a ceiling raiser. Like this guy would have fit in very nicely at any of the teams that finished in the top four last season on that right wing. Like he arguably would be fighting for starting minutes at like a city at uh well maybe you know i mean arsenal have Saka, who's like one of the best wingers in the world so like that but even then he's like he'd be he'd be at 
great competition for Kai Osaka, right? He would literally be starting. He would start for Newcastle. He would be starting easily over Miguel Almiron. And um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, he would, and he would easily be starting over Anthony at United as well. <laughs> so like, like, there's a there's a right wing joke in there somewhere, but I don't have the brain <laughs> capacity to make it. Um, I do have just a question on Astonville though, because we are talking about a small sample size. Putting Diaby to a side, just slightly to a side. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like Aston Villa do have the quality to finish potentially top six? Like, could this be a type of Brighton esque breakout year for them? Um, I, yeah, I I, ha- I do personally have my doubts. Not necessarily. Uh, it's kind of tough to say because defensively, I do think they've been okay, with the exception of whatever that Newcastle game was. Um, I I just feel like this is a kind of a, a similar United situation where they are one Diaby like hamstring pull away from. Like then Leon, yeah, you know? from like Leon Bailey, who's who's, who's not a bad player yeah. in his own, but very inconsistent. No, very, not not only just inconsistent, an extremely different type of player. Yeah. At the end of the day, he's just and, yeah, he doesn't impact the game as much, right? Yeah, yeah, and that, like that is okay for what the team needs right now. But that's my biggest fear with Aston Villa is I don't know if they have enough depth and quality to actually win enough games to be top six because their competition for top six is much fiercer than tenth, right? Yep. Yeah, I, I think kind of to make the Brighton comparison, I think they have about as much quality. I, I think at least as much quality as Brighton did last season. But you kind of touched on it in the in the depth piece of it. Unlike Brighton last season, Aston Villa is playing in Europe this season. They they are playing in the Conference League. Um, I guess we'll see how seriously they take it i mean i i am always personally think that teams should take the european competitions seriously because like i mean i I know that west ham almost got relegated because of it but like (laughs) but like those 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 west ham fans like that experience of winning a european championship you know we can kind of poo-poo the conference league as much as we want but that's kind of like an elitist thing like like we we are supporters of teams that have won like um, like your more prestigious, trophy, yeah. <laughs> more prestigious trophies. Yeah. But for a side like, I know that Villa also has actually won European Cup too, like in the past. But for Villa fans now, younger ones, whatever, and obviously for the West Ham fans last season, winning a European title, like that's, I think that's still so important, and, and I don't think it's something that should be sacrificed um, for a league position, but. I do ultimately think that if they progress through that and they get into the knockout rounds, it's a different prospect than what Brighton was doing last season because they're just going to have more games to play. And as and as um, and as you mentioned, like it'll just create more risk of having to rely on their depth, which I agree is it's it maybe it's slightly better than Brighton's last season, but um, but it's still. Not enough for you to feel confident that they finish in like the fifth, in like fifth or better or something, right? Yeah. Um, and I say fifth because this season for Europe in general is the last of the current format of the of the Champions League. So next season, um, when Saudi Arabia gets invited, yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> yeah, Continue. Yeah. Um, but but essentially. 
there is an extra Champions League spot up for grabs for European League, right? So whichever one, I believe it's whichever one their teams progress the furthest or like, you know, in aggregate, their teams do the best in European competitions. There will be an extra spot up for grabs. So we could very well see fifth place in, in England this season beat, like get you into the Champions League. And I think that's where it's like fifth place. That is probably the aim, the target for sides like Villa and Brighton. And I don't think it's totally unrealistic, but um, but with both of them playing in Europe this season, it's just, you know, still, I think that is just still going to be the tough part for them. Um, yeah. But quickly, at least before we touch on uh, Everton and, and the last couple of things on, on the Premier League, um, Villa play away to Liverpool next week. And as you said already, it's going to be really interesting. Um, going into that game itself, I mean, obviously Liverpool will be favored because it'll be at, at him. No. But... <laughs> but um, but I, I guess what's like a realistic expectation? Do you think for yeah. our, for Villa in that game? Not necessarily doesn't have to be like result, but like yeah, it could be performance wise too. I I would say I'll put it in the context of a potential game plan that Unai Emery is probably thinking about. It will probably be very compact defending for Aston Villa, and I think it will almost purely rely on outlet balls out wide counterattack like pure West Ham style counterattacking football to get in behind whoever is going to cover for Kanate uh, because either option quite frankly is just not enough for Liverpool and as we know Virgil van Dijk will not be playing in this game so I think that's Aston Villa's best chance is if you can bypass their mid Liverpool's midfield in transition you are probably at a slight advantage slash potentially even numerical advantage almost purely based off transition speed like i think that's that unai emery has to be coming up with something very similar because if he's not i would like to have a conversation with him about <laughs> him playing some possession style football against liverpool at anfield because that's not gonna uh, work i think i think we're on the same page i think we You've seen enough of when I am reading games. I've, I've yeah, seen yeah, yeah, my yeah. fair share of them, at least like in European competitions. He has no problem dropping two banks of four, <laughs> four, four, two, and making life just hell for the other side. He, yep. He's really good at organizing a team defensively if they have to play that way. Um, and, you know, I think with, with Watkins, with Ollie Watkins and Diaby, you've got two guys who are really good counterattacking outlets so i i think 100%. it should be a really fun one yeah completely agreed um i'm actually really excited to watch this, this upcoming weekend's games uh as i said I'm, I'm doing absolutely nothing at home and i'm thrilled um that's adulthood by the way just being <laughs> thrilled to do absolutely nothing um anyway all right Rian, let's talk everton then we'll wrap some some stuff up Everton are going down, right? Let's just get that out of the way. No, um, no, come on. No, man. come on. No, no, no. Like, give me a reason why you think this team is actually not going down. I, I, I forget, I forget like, all the. I was saying last season that for most of the time, I like I think they're going down. So. They, I mean, they they literally cannot score goals. That's not even yeah. a Sean Dyche problem. Like, that's that's a player problem. Like they, yeah. like it hasn't. It's not like they haven't had some chances. They just truly cannot score goals 
Yeah, like, I, look, I've seen, I've watched, I think I've seen highlights. I've seen highlights of at least two of their three games. I think maybe all three of them. But um, if I'm just looking back on the wolf, the game against Wolves, like, oh man, they have so they have actually like a good amount of chances in these games, um, and just find ways not to score. Um, <laughs> and to kind of uh, highlight this even more. You know, again, just three games so far, but they've produced 4.7 xG. Ellie's already said it; they have scored no no goals, no goals in the, in the league this season. <laughs> and to give you a reference of how kind of insane that is, Nottingham Forest, who have accumulated 3.8 xG in their first three <laughs> games this season, have scored six goals. <laughs> that's insane like, this makes no sense right? like it's just it's it's insane so so for everton here's your one shining light small sample size and some regression to the mean here yeah right like yeah. this can't continue like look if they're gonna end up being like 10 12 13 goals below their xg then yeah they're they're <laughs> it's like you can book it they're gonna go down like, <laughs> yeah exactly but here's the thing it's not even necessarily just about their xg because at the current time like they don't even have a reliable out and out goal threat right mm -hmm. we were just talking about during the breakout calvert lewin is injury prone not necessarily always going to be in the starting 11 and then who whomst Holmst is going to score goals for this Everton team on a consistent basis yeah. to provide them with, I don't know, what's going to be the, the threshold for a relegation this, this year, 35? Like, yeah. uh, who who is going to get them that many goals? XG aside. Like, yeah. Uh, they, they've, I, I, <laughs> they've, they're trying. I, like, it's not Neil Malpe. I, I, I know we know yeah. that, right? He, he's great at racking up the XG and doing nothing with it. Uh, but... <laughs> Damn, <laughs> man has a family. <laughs> Just no need, absolutely no need. It's like it's uh. like a family member. It's like if your family member was like obscenely rich and it was just like <laughs> buying you gifts from the dollar from Dollar Tree. Like, like, it's, like he's he's unfortunately like you're doing good things, dude. But like, there's. What for at that point? Um, <laughs> but no, they, they did sign um, a guy named Beto from, I think it was Udinese. So we'll see. We'll see. I, I don't know much about that player, honestly. Um, they have Arnaud Danjuma, right, from, from Villarreal. Um, you know, we'll see. They don't have, again, they don't have good, very good chance creators either. So these chances are coming kind of... Yeah, they're not coming at a rapid pace and, and consistently, right? So that's that's a big issue for them as well. Um, so you agree they're going down? All right, next point. Um, <laughs> uh, it's a, I can't really argue against it right now. So I'll yeah. <laughs> Fair enough, but again, small sample size. Things can't. Yeah, it's only only been a few games. Only been a few yeah, games. Yeah, yeah. Um, Rian, let's talk about some honorable mentions, as you call it. Um, you know, in a world where Lionel Messi, Erling Holland, I'll leave it at those two specifically, maybe did not exist. 
Rodri, and this might be a hot take, should be top three for the Ballon d'Or this year. I'm just throwing that out there. Mm. Like that would be my my somewhat hot take in this. And that actually has nothing to do with this this goal in which obviously United or excuse me, City went on to, to beat Sheffield this weekend, this past weekend. But Rodri he's the best defensive midfielder in the world right now. I don't By think there's yeah. much of an argument with that. And he seemingly pops up at the most important times for City. Um I don't know what that's about. But seeing his his move from Atletico to City now and his continued growth has been nothing short of like wildly impressive. Um, thoughts? I mean, I, no, no, that's no. all you, I have to you, say. You covered it all. Yeah, best best defensive midfielder in the world for sure. Been been that case for at least a year now. Um, played so much. Has played so much for City. Like played. Over, I think he played over 60 games last season for them. And, and even he said at the end of it, like, uh, this probably can't keep going on. <laughs> <laughs> and unfortunately, there's nothing he can do about it because Calvin Phillips yep. is definitely not <laughs> jumping in <laughs> to, to, to help ease the load. We know that. <laughs> um, so he's going to have to hope that, you know, John Stones and like Akanji just end up playing defensive man for a few games this season. Yeah. Calvin um, Phillips is just kind of here to for the vibes. Yeah. Yeah. He's just the check clears, bro. That's all that matters. <laughs> <laughs> I don't blame him. <laughs> um, but yeah, amazing player and Rodri. Um, another another like great goal to 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 win a game for City. Um, yeah, it's kind of as you were for them. Um, some, I mean, obviously they've had some weird. They've had some weird transfer activity recently. Um, they've sold Cole Palmer or will be selling Cole Palmer to Chelsea, um, and. I, I'm excited about this uh, Jeremy Doku, the the player they've signed from. I'm I'm fans. very excited for him. I mean, um, I don't know if you saw Thierry Henry's comments about him, um, but he basically said, "When you are one on one with with him, you're you're screwed, effectively." <laughs> and I have not watched much of him in Liga, or excuse me, uh, the yeah, Uber Liga. Eats Liga. Yeah, yeah, um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but that is a wildly high bar and impressive bar to for someone like Thierry Henry to, to share, especially for someone who in his prime one-on-one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I'm, I'm actually probably most excited about that as it relates to city transfers in and out this season. I mean, to nerd out a little bit, like his, his dribbles and like take on stats and then the actual six, the percentage of success from it is ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, he's is it really like one of the, mo- he's like, he, he's like in the top, two three percentile of just attempted take-ons and then also in the top like 10 percentile of of successful take-ons so it's it's um it's gonna be really fun to watch <laughs> or terrifying if you're depending uh, on you're yeah it really back. depends on depends on who you are it sounds um, like he's what we all thought and wanted uh usman dembele to be so mm. that's fun oh. <laughs> I'm, I'm not hurt by that at all um anyway so, Rian, last point. You know, Chelsea have only won one game this this Premier League season, but throughout basically preseason, honestly, to now, we should probably have a dialogue about a resurgence of a player in which I don't really know how you feel about, to be honest. Um, is Raheem Sterling back? Mm. 
the Razzasance has begun. <laughs> oh my god! Uh, it, it, oh my god! It's uh, unapologetically I will be using that as as he can if he continues to perform. That's what we're using. <laughs> that's that is going to be used dozens of more times before the end of. The I season. will simply just clip this and <laughs> and edit it out. Continue. <laughs> um. So Sterling Raheem Sterling, as you said, has been good in. All of the games, so all the Premier League games so far, came back from the preseason. The preseason was looking very good as well. Um, well he has been Chelsea's best player for, for the start of this season, honestly. I, I think maybe some people could argue Enzo, but I think that he's been um, the best player so far. He's getting touches in the attacking third a lot more than last season, especially in the penalty area. More dribbles. Way more progressive, more progressive um, carries as well. He's just been more impactful this season. And and I, um, they had an interview with him after the game on uh, last Friday, and I thought um, his words were were really cool to hear. He basically said, um, "Yeah, last season was really difficult," but he said he kind of had a conversation with himself after this season, uh, where he was like, essentially, yeah. I don't want this to be how my career ends, right? It's like, I'm still young enough. I there's, I had, he's like, he basically said, I had to look within myself, look at myself in the mirror. Um, and, you know, knew that he had to kind of fix things. And I really, you know, the honesty was, was really cool. Um, and you can tell that he's come into this season wanting to correct everything that happened around him last, last season. And I, I think, um, I think last season was an outlier. Like if you look at the last like six, seven years of his career, like last season was, was an outlier. Um, and so it's, it's really great to see him back to, I mean, these first few games, he's been back to, to his best really. And, and so important for Chelsea in a team of children to have someone who, <laughs> who is going to be more consistent game to game, you know, what you're going to get from him game to game. Um, he's he's going to be so important to whatever success Chelsea has this season. So that's, that's my piece on, on, on Raz. I, I, I don't know how I feel about that name, but I'll, I'll let that one slide because my brain actually thinks it is truly Thursday and it is now <laughs> Wednesday. Um, I, I, I get what you're saying about Raheem Sterling. I think the biggest question mark around him is ultimately how do I phrase this? How does this continue beyond the international break? I'm very curious how he does against teams that will press him very high mm. because the teams that Chelsea have played so far have not been high pressing, you know, fullback style teams, if that makes sense. And that's for a very obvious reason. It's, the way that those teams defend, but after the international break, Chelsea will have a very different schedule. Mm -hmm. And I'm very curious how he does one-on-one -on -one because while it's maybe not his strongest, the strongest part of his game, it is certainly an important one. And it's one that I think he used to excel at. So for me, I'm very curious to see how his one-on-one -on -one duels go in those slightly quote unquote more important games. That will really tell me how I can kind of measure his return i'm not even going to use the phrases that you've you've been using to spite you um but that that will be the most interesting thing for me 
<laughs> awesome. Man. Well, love it. Uh, at least I think that that uh, ends our Premier League portion here. As we move on. Yes. I, before before you say anything else, um, I think the Ansu Fati news to um, to Brighton was just confirmed by um, not friend of the pod, but wonderful human Fabrizio uh, Romano. Rom- you see, <laughs> yeah, the yeah. yeah, it's getting to you. I know it's all right. Yeah, um, so that's going to be very interesting for Brighton as it as it relates to counterattacking football. Um, mm. So just 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 interesting. But anyway, um, what were you going to say? We're we're well past the hour mark, so we can always cover anything Spain related in more detail. But what what did you want to 